The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on Mitchell's Front Page, Trent talking tech. Good morning to you, Trent. How are you? Yeah, well, Mitchell. Now, uh, Microsoft with its authenticator services. Is this the future of authentication that uh, every time we log in somewhere, it will be a sort of two-factor authentication for everything? It's certainly an improvement on just using a standard password. And in some cases, uh, this is also going to be something where we aren't going to need to use a password. Microsoft uh, is changing their security policies and in some cases allowing the ability for people to use the authenticator service as the way of logging in. So basically putting in your email address, that then works out uh, which account it is, sends a note to the authenticator service and then you can get a one-time password or one-time code, I should say, uh, sent to your device or if you've got the authenticator app on your mobile phone, you can say... I approve that connection and then your account will log in. At the moment, for most Microsoft accounts, it's being used as a two-factor method and a lot of workplaces are using this with Office 365 now, but the eventual aim is you can just use the Authenticator app and use the verification code or just clicking approve on your mobile device and being able to log into any of the accounts. That means Office 365, that means Outlook, it means OneDrive, any of those Microsoft services that you might be using free or paid uh, and you can have a look at configuring that right now apparently you can go into your Microsoft account and in your advanced security options you can have a look in there and find the passwordless account option. And I see that MyGov also lets you do that they've got a bit of an app that you can use to bypass mm. your password logging into their services and uh, I don't think the MyGov login interface is usually that um, friendly because I mean the username is a series of random letters and numbers and uh, the password is quite strict so it seems to me to be an easier way forward to just use that app but I'm just wondering what your thoughts are around mm. people that may be a little bit technically challenged do you think they'd find it easier to log in with a password or to use one of these apps? Uh, a password login might be easier for people with these challenges, although um, these days we all tend to have mobile devices and I guess, you know, uh, with the things that have been going on during the COVID period, it's certainly been teaching people that they need to be able to have a mobile phone, uh, you know, in most cases to be able to, uh, you know, complete a verification process. So at minimum, a text message option is you know, it's pretty standard these days. Uh, although, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a fifty fifty thought because there there are people that would really benefit from a password, but on that scale, they probably aren't uh, using secure passwords at the moment, and they might even be writing their passwords down, which is inefficient to a scale as well. So, um, you know, it, it, it's an on the fence thing, I guess. Now, some unsurprising research has come through about the amount of time Australians Mm. spent on streaming services over the last year. Yes, of course, we've all been home. Some people have actually been home with no work, unfortunately. Uh, You know, people have been off school. They have done some schooling from home as well, but uh, more of us have had to spend time at home, whether it be in the evening or on the weekends. And Telsite uh, did a study on Australian subscription entertainment. And from their figures, uh, they saw uh, a large 
a lot of the audience watching Netflix uh, coming in at about 4.1 million subscribers are the other types of um, subscriptions. So that would mean anything like Foxtel services, the free apps for, uh, you know, the TV networks as well. Uh, and Amazon Prime Video and Disney Plus in there with some uh, 2.6 and 2.9 million numbers. But Netflix on top at around 6 million in terms of the audience. And, you know, more people playing games as well. Uh, growth in subscriptions of about 13%. And most people in terms of game subscriptions are spending at least $30 per month. And, uh, you know, streaming services are in that league as well, unless you're really interested in streaming. And then some of us have got two and three services. And, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, they're between $10 a month and $15 a month. So it does all add up. But, um, you know, the main choice when people are at home, uh, killing time uh, in what is COVID times at the moment. I think the issue is that free-to-air TV is going to perhaps have to have a look at its programming because it doesn't seem to me to compete with some of the things you can find on streaming services. And I suppose with streaming services, if you're interested in a particular topic, you can really delve into that and just watch programs about that topic, whereas free-to-air TV kind of still Mm. has to cater for a very broad audience. Although, you know, they can cater for these sort of audiences on their online streaming applications. Um, but I think, you know, there's one or two TV networks that are falling behind in the development of these apps and, and, and being able to make them uh, work for people who just want to search for a particular item or, you know, a type of uh, show that they actually want to see. Now, Bitcoin mining, there's been an interesting side effect of that. Yeah, it's said that uh, Bitcoin mining is producing electronic waste, -waste, uh, e-waste, a lot more annually comparable to... Uh, you know, typical small IT equipment. And uh, this research came out of uh, the Netherlands. And they say uh, that miners of cryptocurrency over there produce 30,700 tonnes of e-waste. And, you know, one of the challenges that we have with e-waste worldwide is the recycling uh, process and where it is actually happening. Australia is doing okay in some regards uh, with some councils around the country. Uh, There are councils like the one that I'm in uh, that have, uh, I guess, teamed up with other councils for a recycling policy and a program that allows them to offer uh, e-recycling as a free option. So you can just pop up the tip and and drop it into the right pile and it'll go back and be sorted and and, and broken down and, you know, in some regards um, recycled. But, you know, I think the main concern with the Bitcoin mining is, uh, you know, things Things evolve quickly and so, you know, uh, people might only hold a device for one to two years and then they may put it into the waste uh, rather than finding another recycling channel like, um, you know, repurposing somewhere else. And it's also contributed to, I guess, the issues that we have with chips shortages worldwide as well. There's been a cycle where, um, you know, Bitcoin miners have been using uh, graphics cards and, and, and computer main boards to build systems which can mine Bitcoin, which has made, a, you know, a shortage of, of equipment given the fact that there's less of it actually getting over to countries like Australia due to all of the challenges along the way, which also include... 
the factor that um, you know transportation is hard to come by for uh, freight at the moment. Do you know if there's still a lot of money to be made in Bitcoin mining? Because I believe as time goes on, aren't Bitcoins meant to be harder and harder and harder to find and then they actually reach a limit? Well, there's different organisations which are providing options for people to buy in with smaller amounts of money. So, um, you know, people can uh, buy into the market without buying full Bitcoins as such these days and, and with small investments. Um, the market itself is is unstable to some degree, but then again, the stock market's like that as well. So um, there's there's still money to be had in it, uh, but riding the wave can be a challenge, a bit like a gamble, I guess. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, um, there's there's certainly still opportunities in it, um, regardless of, of of where it might be today and tomorrow. Well, thanks very much for being on the program. As always, what's your website once again? Uh, we talk tech at techrap.net. Thank you very much. Trent Gaddy's there, our program tech guy. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.